You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwam. Praise the Lord. Go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 119. I want to read verses 162 and 165 again from the Amplified. We've been in a, a, a lesson. It started out as a lesson, but now it has become a series uh, called Love Your Law. And uh, we just want to, we want to continue on. So let me read here from the Amplified. I rejoice that your word is one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood. But your law do I love. Seven times a day and all day long will I praise you because of your righteous decrees. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing shall offend them or make them to stumble. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your statutes, your law, your word, your direction, your guidance. Father, today as we open the word and as, and as we talk about the topic, this topic of your law and how it, it penetrates and affects us, let us do so. Being mindful of your word. Let this, this written word, this, this written word become revealed to us. Rame a revelation to us, Father, that we would grow by the watering of the word. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So let me recap a little bit. Uh, we talked about um, worry and fear here a couple weeks ago. And worry is fear manifest and the destroyer of faith. He said again, worry is fear that's manifest and it destroys faith. David, King David, refused to fear. He refused to fear the lion. He refused to fear the bear. And he refused to fear the Philistine. David made God bigger on the inside than any problem he would face on the outside. Amen? And then we started to talk about diligence, how Saul lost his kingdom through lack of diligence, but how David inherited the kingdom due to his diligent spirit. So let me start today's lesson again with two quotes. The first one, the fight is won or lost far away from witnesses, behind the lines, in the gym, and out there on the road, long before I dance under those lights, Muhammad Ali. The second quote, there is no secret to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from your failures. General Colin Powell. And these really are quotes about diligence. You know, Muhammad Ali was talking about being diligent to prepare. I think it was Lou Holtz that said that, that uh, football games are not won by teams who get up on game day. Football games are won by teams who get up on practice day. The preparation, the diligent work, the hard work that it takes. I will say that I have noticed in modern day America that one thing we do not like anymore is hard work. A hundred years ago, the generation was much different. 
It was a country that was forged by hard work, by diligence, by continued effort. You know, my family homesteaded in 1870s, and it was hard work clearing the ground, making fields, logging, raising cattle, farming, doing the things that needed to be done. It required diligence to succeed. I love your law, diligence. See, God doesn't always choose perfect people. And we talked about that. I always, you know, I will say this over and over and over and over and over again until the Lord takes me home. You cannot get your eyes fixed on me as the pastor. You have got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because man will always fail you. Why? Because we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. No matter how much I joke about being perfect, I am not perfect. I'm a man. Yes, ask my wife. You want to know about faults? She's got a book full of them. <laughs> yeah, volume one. I'm working on volume two right now, Frank. <laughs> the first 35 years filled volume one. Praise the Lord. But God does choose diligent people. He doesn't always choose perfect people, but he does choose diligent people. And it's one of the most powerful forces in the kingdom, the force of diligence. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to spend a considerable amount of time in Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to start in verse 11. This is what we finished with last week. And it says in here, and Samuel said to Jesse, now, so for those who are new or haven't been watching, Samuel is the prophet of God. Jesse is the father of David. So Samuel says to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, out keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. A characteristic of diligence was seen in David. Because let's remember that, that the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. Well, that, that relationship between David and God didn't just develop in his latter years. It developed in his youth. Because David became a worshiper. In fact, is the Psalms are written by David out of his heart of abundance of worship and praise for God. So David was of the family, of the eight boys in the family, he was the one that was, was hard-pressed after God. And yet when, when the man of God came to town, where was David? He was keeping the sheep in the field. David's diligence can be seen in where he was when the prophet of God arrived. From the Proverbs of Solomon, these are not all of them, I just picked out seven on diligence. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23, Proverbs 10.4, he who deals with a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 10.4, Proverbs 12.24, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 12.24, Proverbs 12, 27. The lazy man does not 
does not roast what he is hunting. But diligence is a man's precious possession. Proverbs 12, 27. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs 21 and 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Proverbs 21, 25. And the last one, Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man who, is, who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. See, David's diligence opened the door to his destiny as the king of Israel. Diligence opens your doors. Diligence opens your door of destiny. The thing that you become good at will open the next door. We just read in, in Proverbs the, the, what Solomon identified as, as things that related to diligence. So David's diligence opened up his door of destiny as king of Israel. We see that David did what was, ne David did what was needed to be done, not necessarily what he wanted to do. David was out keeping the sheep, Samuel the prophet had come to town. David, David, you have to know, David much more would have rather sat at the feet of the anointed man of God than to be out keeping the sheep. David was where he needed to be and not necessarily where he wanted to be. So he was doing what he needed to do where it needed to be done. And we see these key factors of diligence. And I, in my own life, I look many times to make sure that, that I'm being diligent. Am I doing what needs to be done? And am I doing it where it needs to be done? Factors of diligence. Now go down with me to, in 1 Samuel 16 down to verse 13. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him, David, in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. I want you to, to see what just happened here. The prophet anointed David. He literally rubbed him with oil, but it was representative that God was now being rubbed or he was being immersed. Anoint means to rub, was being immersed or rubbed with the Spirit of God. When we talk about the anointing, we talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we actually talk about the Holy Spirit rubbing up against our life. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit a paracletus, one who is attached to you. He's so close, he can't be removed. It's where we get the word parasite. It's literally the anointing of God was attached to David's life. And in the Old Covenant, the anointing was reserved to prophets and kings. And so David was being anointed as the king of Israel. The Spirit of God was now upon him. As New Testament believers, we can have the same thing. When we get born again, our spirits get reborn. The Holy Spirit renews our spirit. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
But there's also the infilling or the, the overwhelming of the Holy Spirit, which we see in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We have the same ability to be anointed like the prophet in the Old Testament and the king in the Old Testament as believers in the New Testament. And the anointing of God, I wrote this down, the anointing of God is like a rocket ship. All the power of the kingdom is, of God is there, but nothing happens until you ignite it. I mean, that rocket ship can sit at Cape Canaveral. It can be sitting there with all of its power intact inside its rocket tubes. But nothing's going to happen until those rockets are ignited. All the power is there. And the anointing is like that. All the power of God is there. So in a believer's life, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But if you do not ignite that rocket, nothing will change in your life. I mean, how many times have I, I, I met up with believers who have been saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit for 40 years, but, but there is nothing in their life related spiritually. I mean, they, they bear, basically have gone along in life. You couldn't tell them from anybody else living in the world. If you lined them up and tried to pick sinner and saint, you couldn't tell the difference. Why? Because they never ignited what God put on the inside of them, the rocket ship, the Holy Spirit, the power, the anointing. Now, something has to happen in a, in a believer's life, because I don't know about you, but when I got saved, man, it transformed my life. I mean, it really did. I mean, I was now a new creature. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues, man, I was a rocket ship. I mean, I, I knew that I had authority, and it transformed my life. You know, I've, I've, I've told this story before, but my, my family did not grow up wealthy. You know, I grew up in hand-me-downs. Uh, I, I didn't even know, I was so poor, I didn't even know we were poor. Mom was on food stamps. She was working full-time and needed food stamps to make it after Dad left. Right? We didn't have any church support. Because the Catholic Church gave us the left foot of fellowship, my mom and dad got divorced. So we were broke, trying to barely get by, doing what we could, but I didn't know it. I didn't know I was poor until the kids in school told me I was poor. Made fun of my clothes, made fun of my haircut, because I was the poor kid. I was easy to pick on. We didn't have anything. But when I found out that I didn't have to be poor no more, that my family didn't have to be poor no more. My descendants didn't have to be poor no more. That God had already paid the price for my poverty. It transformed my life. It transformed my life. I mean, it was like a rocket ship on the inside of me. I mean, my, my desire was for God, but I, I, had, I was so excited that now, not only could I have God, but I could have the things it takes to live in life and the promise of more than enough to be able to give it every good work. I was, I, I was listening to, I don't even remember which preacher it was, but 
he was kind of like, like me, and he's been in the ministry about 30 years, I think he said, and he said he's never received a paycheck in, in, in his 30 years of ministry. He said, why would I want the pay cut? You know, praise the Lord. We've been in full-time ministry since 1994. What's that, 26 years? We haven't been on salary at any church. We've just been believing God. And when I hear the salaries that some of these preachers make, I'm glad I'm not on salary because I couldn't afford the pay cut. Amen? There was a rocket ship. There was a rocket ship that ignited. I found out, according to Jude 1.20, I could pray in the Holy Spirit and build myself up on my most holy faith. I found out that I could be led by the Holy Spirit. John 16.13, that the Holy Spirit would lead me into all truth. He would guide me. He'd be my advocate. And I found out the secret to the Bible, if there is one. You've heard me say this before. Read his word and do it. And that's the secret. I found out that, that obeying the word of God in John 14, 15 was the answer to everything I needed in life. Jesus said, if you hear my commandments and do them. I mean, it's pretty simple. The rest of the stuff we can pick up as we go along. We can figure, once we figure out the word, we can start to implement it. But man, the, the key to the kingdom is right there. Hear his word and do it. Because we have what we need. We don't have to wait for the prophet of God to come to town. You have right, everything you need right where you're at. I mean, I didn't get all this because they put the, that sign on my door that says pastor. I mean, that's not when all of a sudden, oh, I got, I got all these benefits. I'm anointed now. No, it was when I got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost at 14 years old. That's when my rocket ship took off. I don't have to wait for a king with his anointing and his wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, just let him ask a God. He gives to all men liberally. He, he will give to you. He wants you to have wisdom. And there's a lot to do. There's a lot of people that need to hear this message, the good news of Jesus Christ. He needs us, so we need his wisdom. So then, so I'll say that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is paramount to the life of the believer because it is the rocket ship. It, it, it is what propels the believer. Contrary to, to the, some theological teaching, the entire New Testament was written by born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Jews. Like it or not, that's the fact. Paul said, I'm a Pharisee of faith. Pharisees, tribe of Benjamin. I mean, these were Jews. They received Yeshua. They received the Messiah. And then on the day of Pentecost, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you can read through the book of Acts when they came upon people and asked them, hey, have you received the Spirit? And they're like, man, we didn't even know there was a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he says they, they gave their life to Jesus and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I just I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all do. Because he knew what powered his rocket ship. He had had religion. 
Remember, he was standing there when they stoned Stephen, the evangelist, Acts chapter 7. Paul was standing there holding the coats of the people stoning him and consenting to his death. He had papers. He had papers that gave him a right to kill Christians. And yet, when he got born again, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and then he got filled with the Holy Ghost, he had a rocket ship. And he's responsible for two-thirds of the New Testament. Go with me now to, down a little further here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 through 16. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him, and Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Well, what happened to Saul? He was rejected by God. The anointing of God was removed from him because of his disobedience, his lack of diligence. The anointing was gone. The rubbing of God was gone. And now there was nothing to fill his contentment. I'll tell you what, when you're living in the world, there's just something empty on the inside of you. But when you get born again, I don't care what that hole is. He can fill it, and he does. And so now Saul went from this anointed state to this, this, where's God? I don't sense God, all of the troubles that I wasn't dealing with. You know, I didn't have a problem with confusion before, but now, man, I'm worried because I know that there's another king coming up. And what about these? Saul was now in fear and worry, and it was all coming upon him. And it said it was troubling him. And, and now it says, Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that when he plays it that his, with his hand, that the distressing spirit from God uh, is upon you, that you shall be well. So he said, hey, look. You've heard the saying that music calms the soothing beast. Saul, you have become a beast. You need to be calm. We need to find a harpist. We need somebody to play beautiful music. We need somebody to relax you and, and get you to a place where you can just say, okay. To try to replace the Spirit of God. Because see, first off, nothing will replace that anointing. But some things will fill the gaps temporarily. The world tries to do it all the time with drugs and alcohol. I mean, why do you think there's such huge abuses of those things? I mean, I, I watch shows on television. I, lo I, love, I love mysteries. I like, you know, uh, detective shows. Probably one of my favorite detective shows in the world is Monk. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's hilarious. But there are a lot of these shows, you know, when, when people get home after work, what is the first thing they do? They, they pour themselves a drink. When people come over, they go, hey, you want a, I don't know, what, a, bur a bourbon, a I don't know what they drink, whiskey, uh, whatever they drink. Why not? Oh, Thor, I'm going to look at the bartender. The <laughs> Mary Lee's dad used to own the bar where he and Mary Lee met in. So, you know, the testimony that he's talking about. But that's what the world does. That's where they find their comfort is in alcohol and drugs and sex and, and all of these things, pornography, all of these things. They try to replace God. But Saul was rejected, and so he's fallen apart. There was chaos in the kingdom. And when the king ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in the kingdom. 
Everybody's worried about their neck. But Saul had to be convinced that he needed some help. So go with me now to verse 17. So Saul finally says to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him here to me. So now there's a search throughout the kingdom. The IBS, the Israeli Broadcasting System, introduces their new television show, The Harpist. Right? Well, maybe it hadn't been invented yet, but they need to search for the best harpist. they got to find somebody who can play well and calm Saul down. So there is a, a, a go ahead, find me the best. Now, Israel is not necessarily a small place. Now, compare it you know, to, to, to China or Russia or the United States. It's, it's not super big, but it's not a small place. And remember, they didn't have airplanes. They didn't have automobiles. They had shoe leather and donkeys. You know, so, I mean, the search is not going to be real easy. So let's read verse 18. Then one of the, the, one of the servants said, Hey, look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and handsome in person, and the Lord is with him. Let me ask you these questions. What caused David to be known as a skilled harpist? What caused David to be known as a mighty man of valor? What caused a young man of 14 to be known as a man of war? What caused David to be known as prudent in speech? And what caused David to be known for being anointed? I mean, think about it. Here's a man who's 14 years old. He's just a youth. He's not very old. So David had to have had a diligent spirit and been very good at playing at a very young age for somebody who was now in the king's palace to remember David. How would he have known that David was a man of valor? Well, I don't know if you remember when you were 14, but do you remember those days when something good happened and you told everybody about it? I mean, you still see it today on the back of, of SUVs and cars. My kid got the highest GPA at such and such high school. My kid's an honor grad at so-and-so. You know, um, our team just won the U-triple-S-A, whatever. You know, I mean, it's all over. Well, it was the same thing. You think when David killed the lion, he, he, he didn't tell somebody about it? I mean, we, we know what David did with uh, the Philistine's head. What do you think he did with that lion's head? as he's taking it to school, going, see this beard? See this beard? I grabbed him right here by this beard. You see this beard? I grabbed him right there by that. That's the beard. This lion came after my sheep, and, and I grabbed him by the beard, and I killed him. I slayed him. Come over to my house. I want to show you my bearskin rug. I want to show it to you. This is the bear that came. You know, I mean, David probably told a few people as a 14-year-old. So how did they know that he was a mighty man of valor? Because he had told everybody he was a mighty man of valor, and he showed it to them. He showed him his trophies. Showed him his trophies. David was anointed king as Israel. Remember by Jesse, just a few, few verses back, we saw that Jesse had come and had taken out the horn of oil and had anointed David. 
And so all of Bethlehem had to have been a talk about it. So this guy had to have known that, that, that he was anointed of the Lord, for the Lord was with him. See, David was anointed king of Israel. Well, maybe they heard about it when David was at King's College, because, you know, David was anointed king. He must have gone to King's College, right? The only problem is they didn't have King's College there. Maybe they, maybe they heard about David's great concert playing because he was playing with a great band in a concert. Well, no, as a king, he would have been in the audience. I mean, see, the, the news of David had to have spread for someone to already be in Saul's court, in Saul's advisory, that could let him know about David and what he could do. And where do we find this anointed king? He's not at King's College. He's not playing in concerts or even watching them. In verse 19 of Samuel chapter 16, Saul therefore sent a messenger to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. See, they told Saul where to find him. You're going to find David. He's going to be with the sheep. He's going to be where he's being diligent. Why? Because he has a diligent spirit and he's preparing for a diligent life. See, God promotion, God's promotions are for divine purpose. See, do you think you just get promoted in work so you can make a little bit more money? So maybe you can raise your tithe a couple bucks? No, your promotions in life, your, your promotions through, through being diligent to the kingdom are for a divine purpose. They're for a divine purpose. You know, sometimes we don't understand those. I mean, I didn't expect in 2013 to be standing here in, in this platform. Standing here, I mean, we're running our own ministry. We're helping to support works all around the world. We had already pastored for six years up in Washington, and when, when, when that, you know, our, our mission in, in life, our season in life changed, I did, it was not my expectation but something in, in our life, something about the diligence in our life put us here. I mean, I, I don't know how many of you remember when it was probably it was in May of 2014 when, when Superintendent Dale Ray got up here and made his announcements. And I'm sitting over here. And he called off your, your name my name, and a couple other names in the, that we had to have a meeting after service. Our diligence today is for our future promotions, our future stations in life. And I can't tell you what that divine purpose is in your life. But I can tell you that there's a divine, necessa divine necessity that we remain diligent. Because God needs all of us. Every one of us. Verses 20 and 21. And Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him. And, and he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. 
God promoted David where he needed to be. See, God promoted David right into the palace. He'd already anointed him, and then he promoted him into the palace. And not only that, he promoted him to Saul's armor bearer. You don't get any closer than that. You are alongside him. You're alongside the king. So now, not only did God anoint him at 14 to replace Saul, he sent him to the palace where Saul uses him as his harpist and then makes him his armor bearer. So not only that, but Saul is now training his replacement. Now, you know, if Saul had been in his right mind, he would have said, well, wait a minute, time out here. Maybe we don't want David here because I think he's going to be my replacement. I mean, remember, Samuel was even concerned about going and anointing David for his life because of Saul. But God promoted him for his divine purpose in life so that he was able to be trained by the king. And he needed it because he was a king in training. But David did what needed to be done, not necessarily what he wanted to do. Remember that. He was where he needed to be, not necessarily where he wanted to be. He showed up when he was needed to be and not when he wanted to be. You know, David understood diligence. Diligence was not always about thinking about what I like, but thinking about what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. What is the Holy Spirit like today? Holy Spirit, I really don't want to go that way. It's longer, Holy Spirit. Well, today you need to go that way. We need, to, we, need, we need to really be diligent. Because God's future, the future of the kingdom, our future, the, the future of the church in America and the, and the future of the church universal worldwide and all of the lost souls that are still out there are dependent upon our future destinies. Your law, Lord, or your word do I love. So let me, as I get ready to close here, I want to read this scripture, and i got one more scripture after this. Psalms 119.16. This is from David's heart. And I love this scripture. I delight myself in your statutes. I, I delight myself in your law. And I will not forget your word. That was David's heart. He says, I desire the way that you train me, Lord, and I will not forget your word. I will not let it depart from my, from my life. Isn't that what the Lord told Joshua? This book of the law, my words, my statutes, they shall not depart from your heart. They shall be on your lips continually. So let me ask you this. What have you done this week to become more diligent in some area of your life? I know you can't fix yesterday, but let me ask you this then. What are you going to do next week to become more diligent in some area of your life? See, we all must deal, deal with diligence. When we lack diligence... We lack abundance in an area. Just a, a quick example. I mean, this is just a simple one, but we all deal with this. I deal with this too. I mean, this morning I got up, 
went to get dressed, and I opened my drawer where my T-shirts are, and there wasn't one in it. So I looked over in my basket where the dirty ones are, and it's empty. So at least they're all washed. I washed them at some point. But I wasn't diligent to take the next step, to fold them and put them away. Right? So now i got to go find where I hid these things from myself. Why? Because I had lack of diligence in that area. I mean, diligence is important. I had an uncle who was very diligent, taught me a lot about diligence. Well, he wasn't an uncle. He was an uncle by friendship. Uncle Pug. He lived right next to my grandpa, was a longtime friend of my, aunt, my other aunt and uncle. But he, he was diligent, and he told me one time. He says, if you have time to make a mess, you have time to clean it up. I wish, and I'm still working, and I'm believing that I'm going to get there someday. My son, Aaron, and I were talking uh, yesterday about how fast life seems right now. And I was thinking back to my, my grandparents. It always seemed like they had time for family reunions, for picnics, for breakfast, for get-togethers, for gatherings, for all of those things. And I'm thinking, where in the world can I wedge one of those in my life? But we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent with the things of life. I have no idea what that had to do with the other, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. So let's inventory our life. Are we being, being diligent in seeking first the kingdom of God? Are we being diligent in our relationship with God? Are we being diligent in our prayer life? Are we being diligent in the word? Making sure that we read it, consume it, listen to it, hear it. Are we being diligent in our confessions or the words we speak? Are we being diligent to guard our mouths? Are we being diligent with our health? Are we being diligent with our family relationships, our spouses, our children, our church family? Are we being diligent in those areas? Are we being diligent in our finances, our jobs, our businesses, our savings, our investings? Are you being diligent with your dreams? I mean, God gave it to you. Are you being diligent to, to feed that dream? Don't let it die. We have to be diligent in the area of our dreams. Herman Cain, who just passed away not too long ago, had, had said that, that it's not a shame to die with unfulfilled dreams. It's a shame to die without dreams. God births, births dreams on the inside of us. Take that vision and write it down. Make it plain. So he who reads it can run with it. So you can read it and run with it. Let's be diligent. Let me close here with Proverbs 4.23. I read it earlier. But keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Father, I thank you for today's word. I thank you, Father, that as I go home. And I hope that as each of us go home or as we replay it, that we meditate upon your word and seek.
to become people who are diligent for the kingdom's sake. I sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory every day of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hope you got something out of that this morning. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.